I'm probably not alone in this, but when they shut everything down, it's like this this can't be for long. No way. Shut down schools, shut down like everything. No way. Two weeks, fine. We'll we'll play. We'll play by the rules two weeks. And then after the first week, you know, and I'm, I'm adjusting to the live feeds and the pre-recorded videos and all that stuff. It's like, man, this is really hard. Man, I can't wait to get back to it. And then by the end of the second week, when we found out it was extended, that is when I feel like I really went downhill just mentally and emotionally like, oh, my God, how are we going to survive this? I think that was the the biggest question on my mind was how are we going to survive this as a small business? How am I going to feed my children? Like, wh what are we going to do if this is really going to be the end for us, like a pandemic is going to take us out. Gonna see the love today. In the spring of 2020, the COVID-19 pandemic arrived in Prescott in the Quad Cities. Fortunately, the case counts have stayed relatively low, but we've still experienced a big impact. Beloved businesses closed, all the schools and colleges sent their students home, and normal activity, so prized in our warm and friendly town, slowed to a trickle. However, our collective community spirit and ingenuity rose in response. Businesses found ways to safely serve their customers. Teachers learned ways to keep students engaged via email and video chat. Many citizen leaders went beyond just adapting and increased their charitable outreach and action. Restaurateurs and farmers gave away food. Mental health professionals started offering free sessions and classes. In many ways, while under stress, Prescott and the Quad Cities became even more themselves, warmer, more concerned, more united. The writers and staff at Prescott Women Magazine started collecting stories of that resilience and creativity and featured them in the June-July issue of the magazine with the headline, Prescott Strong. To further lift up those voices and our community story, Prescott Women commissioned this oral history. The Prescott Strong Audio Chronicle is a collage of personal reflections and reactions to the COVID-19 pandemic. The collage is made up of a dozen different voices, police deputies, new and not so new moms, business owners and teachers. Eight people contributed short quotes, which are read by Prescott Woman Magazine writers and staff. Three women sat with us via Zoom for longer interviews and were willing to speak deeply about their experiences, struggles, and hopes. At the end, we asked them what they hoped to leave behind and what they'd like to keep from this experience. We also find out what they think makes Prescott and the Quad Cities strong. We trust that you will find their stories and insights inspiring and meaningful because these are the voices of your neighbors and friends. The musical excerpts throughout this episode are also local voices. Over half a dozen local performers and groups donated their songs to the project. We do have one caveat. This story is just a snapshot in time and includes only a small and perhaps not completely representative group. 
We know Prescott is diverse and complex, and we hope that many of you out there are recording your own experiences during this time so our history can have the full rich account someday of how we navigated this challenging time. We hope you enjoy this full-length audio collage. It is the first episode of Prescott Woman's new monthly podcast. You'll find it on the Prescott Woman website or wherever you listen to audio podcasts. We believe this Prescott Strong episode is the perfect kickoff because it's full of real emotion, uplifting stories, humor, and affirmation of how our community can continue to move forward. As the country was gripped by COVID, as our state started shutting down businesses and hundreds of thousands lost their jobs, hopefully temporarily, my husband and I were entering a hospital to meet our adopted son for the first time. Twenty twenty felt like a new start for me personally and for our business. I was really excited because we were just over a bunch of hurdles from 2019. It was a really rough year for us. So we were looking forward to our business just booming in January and it did. And things were actually really looking up for us. And then February came and it was, you know, it was a little odd. That's when we really started to hear more and more about COVID-19. And I just remember that weekend at the end of spring break, everything changed. We had to decide, are we going to stay open or are we going to close? And it was before the governor asked gyms to close down and basically everybody to close down that we just decided it was best to act then just to keep everybody safe. So my life before the pandemic involved a lot of planning. In fact, over spring break, was planning for the next two months until the end of school, April and May, what we would be doing. And when the pandemic started, I had to throw all of that out and stop planning so far ahead. I feel isolated. I feel frustrated. I feel myself losing patience at times. And then other times, excitement, encouragement, um, when I get to hear from students that I wouldn't expect and hearing a side of my students that I haven't before. And sometimes, occasionally, we'll have a student that actually reaches out to me and contacts me um, and encourages me directly without any prompting. I had a sweet girl who did check on me and she checked on her other teachers too. Very kind. And as someone who isolates pretty easily and is able to be pretty happy on her own, um, I have felt a strong need to be with people. And I wasn't expecting that. I thought that I would handle COVID-19 pretty well and I would be fine staying at home and being alone. And I'm not. I needed to be with people too. My life before COVID-19 struck was very busy. Uh, I am currently employed at Next Care Urgent Care. I work there um, full time. And at the same time, I was planning on opening my own primary care clinic. I work generally 
40 to 50 hours a week at the uh, urgent care and then was slowly ramping up time, getting ready to open the uh, primary care clinic. first thing that happened was that the urgent care really slowed down. I was expecting a madhouse, but I believe that the people of Prescott were responsive to the uh, request from the, the, the governor to stay at home. So we saw a dramatic, dramatic decrease in the number of patients coming into the urgent care which then actually led to a, a loss of, of shifts and of hours for those of us working at the urgent care. On the primary care front, we suddenly figured out that we couldn't get any supplies. That, that in order to open, we were going to need certain supplies for patient care, and all of a sudden those supplies were not, not available to us. There's a lot of fear surrounding COVID naturally because it's it's a big unknown. So the patients who I've had that have come back positive, um, I've, I've spent quite a bit of time talking to them about what they should look for uh, in terms of, you know, the serious side uh, effects or symptoms, but also just that, that their body is going to handle things okay. The, the patients are worried not just for themselves, but then they may have a spouse who uh, maybe has some more serious medical um, uh, illnesses. And so then they're concerned, will I give it to them? If they get it, what will happen? So, uh, so there is definitely a lot of uh, emotional support in that way. I constantly fluctuate between seeing the unexpected beauty to be found in our new, incredibly and abruptly slowed down and inner-looking lifestyle, and also seeing the great unease of not knowing what will happen next week or the next, and how my parents will fare throughout this. In this time of uncertainty, we've found happiness in the little things. We've created a lot of movie nights complete with pillows and popcorn. We go on bear and unicorn hunts in our backyard. We do toddler yoga and take stroller rides around the neighborhood. We create art masterpieces for our friends and families to celebrate their birthdays. We laugh, we cry, we dance, we jump, and we have gratitude and hope. I don't think I ever felt that I was forced to adapt. I just felt like I fell in line with what I should do as my part. I, I would feel bad if I didn't do my best to keep people safe. So I never felt forced. You know, like I said, we closed before we were, you know, technically forced to close. I wanted to do right by everybody and my family just to keep everybody safe. We just, we decided that we were going to hunker down and just keep, keep doing the best we could, keep offering everything, even though people couldn't pay. We even told everyone, if you can't pay, please just continue to use our videos and our live feed and everything that we want you to keep moving. We want you to be healthy. For my dance classes, we started out with pre-recorded videos. All my teachers and myself, we would do YouTube links 
and I'm by myself in my 2200 square foot studio and I have my live feed going and I'm just I'm trying to teach just as if I have a full class and I'm talking to that camera like I'm talking to my members. I I mean, even though I'm a performer, I'm a dancer. It's just weird. I'm not I'm not much of a camera person like I like live action people. That was that was weird to adjust to. But then it became kind of normal. I want to say week three, I'm doing my live feed and it's a yoga class and it can get pretty emotional in general just because, you know, we talk about intentions and I usually bring on a quote or a poem. And I remember this class, I'm literally crying and I'm thinking, gosh, I hope they can't see me. (laughs) I hope they can't see me cry because my camera's kind of far enough away. And I come up to the camera to, you know, say goodbye. And it's pretty obvious. But, you know, I think when we reveal our true self and our feelings, it's not to be ashamed of. And I think people appreciate your vulnerability. And and um, a lot of people joke around saying that I'm a machine because, you know, all the stuff that I do, I'm like, I'm a human being just like anybody else. Our movement family is like no other. It's a community that people, they, they care. They love each other. They check on each other. They support each other. You know, they, they have always shown their gratitude towards us. But with this pandemic, it just magnified. So there was a t-shirt campaign that was happening and people, they got on board right away. It's amazing that when you do something that you love so much and you're so passionate about people see that and they they love it too they they love this place like it's their home and that's what they say it's their second home that hasn't changed it just magnified and then as for me personally (laughs) i don't see how anything can get much harder than this you know i'm a woman so i've had children and all that and that's you know natural childbirth and all that oh it's so hard (laughs) and then you know pandemic that's on a whole other level (laughs) so um i think it just it shows me that i i am determined and i'm the same person i always have so i guess the the better way to say that is it i didn't let it change me i just let it continue to build me up as a person is that no I'm not going to give up no I'm going to stay strong I'm going to keep pushing I'm going to make it through this Our Yavapai Family Advocacy Center was open throughout the pandemic so that we could continue serving victims of interpersonal violence, including child abuse and domestic violence. Unfortunately, stressful times like this pandemic cause an increase in the number of victims of these crimes, but we are always ready to serve everyone who comes through our doors. I tend to like the same pattern over and over again. I tend to be comfortable with familiarity. And so when, even if this pandemic had never happened, I know because of the nature of public school, I know that something new is going to come up 
and I will be dictated to do something I've never done before. And I know it's for a purpose. So I, I still feel uncomfortable with change and with things that are different, but I do it because I've been asked to and I know it's possible. It's, it's like an online school. If you've ever taken an online class through a university, there are office hours. We're expected to be available like a normal school day from 7.45 till three. Once we got into the routine and students got into their routine, it's not as if there hasn't been downtime or moments when I can walk away from my computer or turn off my phone. That's just what's been the biggest change for me. Learning to put my phone down and turn it off and not go to my computer after 3 p.m., which mm. is hard because I want to be there for my students and reply when they have questions because I don't know if I'm going to get a hold of them again. They tend to disappear. If a student has never been taught how to log into an account to find Google Drive, to find Gmail, it's a bit harder and more frustrating and you see, you might see less participation in the beginning. And so I, I understand when students said they didn't know how to do A, B, and C. And I was willing to have more patience with that, but we had to at least try. And they figured it out. Over time, They I, and I knew they would, they would figure out something. That's something I, I really want to express is I think everyone's been trying their best, especially the parents. You're just trying your best to get on the computer and do what you can when you're trying to share a computer, when you have to babysit your siblings, when um, your parents have first priority over the computer or the phone or whatever device you have because they have a job. Everyone's trying, even if it's not going perfectly and not 100% of assignments are turned in or 100% of participation, I really think people have tried. Uh, a boy who I've known for two years, I had him for seventh grade and eighth grade, and I tried contacting home before during a regular school term, and I've never heard from home, and I thought for sure that with this social distancing, that would be the end of it, and I'd never hear from him. And he ended up joining our Google video calls and he stayed and he talked and he emailed me after and shared something that interested, interested him. It was just a neat connection that we were able to share. With the COVID virus being so unknown, I've seen my my coworkers being able to uh, take what was told earlier in the morning and assimilate that information, and then later in the day when that changes, assimilate and adapt in their their treatment of patients. I think that that's that's been amazing to see how they're able to to handle that and juggle that. I, I do have a lot of opportunities to help people find their strength, and I enjoy being able to do that because life is hard. If you can mentally um, overcome whatever's holding you back, that's that's the majority of the battle. Once once the mind has been set and you're you're able to focus and and think positively, uh, then the, the body will follow.
If I was speaking with someone who wasn't feeling all that strong right now, I would encourage them to think back to times in their past where they have displayed some strength. And I think we all have those moments in our life where we didn't think we could do something and, and we were able to do it. And if you remind yourself of that strength that you had in the past, uh, you're more likely to be able to rely on yourself for that strength in this current moment. I'm on Facebook and a lot of people are posting, you know, pictures of their hike that they took and, you know, the these different projects that they're working on. And so there's definitely a sense that that I think people are trying to make the very best and even just take advantage of what is in some ways an opportunity to to do things that they otherwise would not have been able to. We are a part of the community and hold our standards to the highest level. Masks, gloves, and food safety are priorities. It's either we adapt or we fail, and failing is not an option. We are still working to serve and support our community. We are just doing it a little differently nowadays. I am so proud of the way our team has handled this challenge. Our entire PD family has come together to keep each other and this community safe. What keeps me going is the role I'm playing right now, contributing to the safety of firefighters and the entire community. That's what I stay focused on in those moments when I feel overwhelmed. It gives me something to work towards and helps me keep marching forward. I think Prescott has done a great job with following the advice in, in the face of this pandemic and has been able, because of that strength, has been able to, to really avoid the major issues and problems that could have arisen. There is strength in doing what you're told, doing what you're supposed to do. It, it, it takes character and a, it takes uh, inner strength to say, oh, okay, well, I'd rather not stay at my house, but, but I'm going to because I want what's best for my community. I hope that one of the lessons that we learned from this whole COVID thing is that when we are sick, we should stay home. We should take care of ourselves and, and hopefully employers, um, very importantly, employers will recognize the importance of allowing their employees to have the time off that they need to when they're ill to help decrease the spread of, of this illnesses. I think the biggest key for thriving in adverse circumstances is to look at that adversity as a gift. 
I think you have to uh, see that that adversity is being given to you as a way for you to grow stronger and to to prove something to yourself and so if you can reframe your your mind um, to think that you have this opportunity to overcome something to better yourself to strengthen yourself um, it's totally different than than thinking oh poor me I'm you know being hit with this hardship um, it's it's more uh, an ability to, to show who you really are as a person Because of my connection to my students now, I know that I'm going to miss them in a different way than I've missed other students before or previously because I've gotten to know them differently and seen them grow and become more responsible and show a more proactive side of themselves in, in a new way. I'll know that they'll be able to check an email, join a video call, do some assignments at home. I know what they're capable of now, and I can push it a little bit more. I also know that we've had this thing in common, and we might not be best friends. It's not like we're supposed to be, but we certainly have something in common to relate to each other, to connect, to say uh, we're just people and we're both doing our best here. Now, now that we're able to go out, and even though we're wearing a mask, we're hungry for connection. Even now, you know, going to Costco and I got my mask on, it's kind of cool that I want to connect with people because, you know, we haven't in so long. And, and you can't really smile through a mask, but you can with your eyes. You know, you can still talk to people. So I want to talk to people and I want to tell them, you know, have a good day or joke around. I was just joking around with a guy the other day at Costco. Uh, and then, you know, I see him in the parking lot and he's helping me back my car out because, you know, Costco can be crazy. We just opened up. So like today, this morning, I, I have limited capacity for my fitness classes and my dance. And they come in and they're just, their eyes are bigger and they're just like smiling bigger and they're just so beaming happy that they're somewhere that they love and have been away from for so long. So it's like everybody appreciates the little things even more. So I appreciate that. It revives my teaching like, okay, this is why I'm here. My parents are a big part of my life and uh, they've been super supportive and loving and they are the best grandparents. So it's pretty cool 
now that things are lifting up that we're we're comfortable visiting you know from a distance hey you know we tr- we do the wash hands and try to stay away but my parents are they need they need that connection for them as well you know and I, I feel bad that we didn't see them for weeks on end but you know we're just trying to do our part but now that things are loosening up they're so thrilled and i'm thrilled it makes my heart happy to see my parents and then we just felt that if it was meant to be we would make it out so it, it, i mean i might cry now it's been really hard So the emotions have been a roller coaster, but I think the biggest emotion that that I had throughout the whole thing was just determination. You know, I, I'm I'm not sure we really should return totally to normal. I would love to see the um, the time that I think people are now spending with their family because they're they have to. I'd love to see that to continue. I would love to see the picnics on the square. I don't. I think that's a wonderful thing to see people taking advantage of of this time to be able to to you know spend time together and grow those uh, relationships. Here we are, my old friend. I have a supportive family. I know that I know that not everyone has and it so I'm grateful for that and I am thankful for it. We all have a house that we can come back to. My brother works in Phoenix, but he's been coming back here when he's not working and then my dad who commutes to Phoenix has been able to come home as well and we've been together as a family and that hasn't happened in a few years to be all four of us together. That has really filled the time and uplifted me and makes me think back to when it was the four of us when we were much younger. It's a good feeling. What I've learned and what I'm definitely gonna keep for next year is being vulnerable. I've practiced that in some ways in the classroom when I say, here's how I'm feeling today, students. Please be aware I'm not mad at you, I'm just feeling this way. And I think I can take the vulnerability we've had during COVID-19 and continue that into the next year. Pandemic has slowed everything down and I love that. I wanna keep the slower paced new normal, the enjoying family, um, connecting with people and not feeling like I have to give so much. I think that was my problem before was I had to do so much. I had to offer so many things and it kept me so busy that I n- never had a chance to recharge. And now coming back, I'm realizing people don't need that many classes. We don't have to be, you know, 24 seven. So I'm, I am embracing my new normal, which is 
keeping everything in perspective, doing still what I love and giving my best, but not so much that I'm losing my personal side with my family and having that time to recharge. We could not see we're holding on to everything we What makes Prescott strong is the uniqueness of the community here. People care for each other and people want the best for each other. You know, you just, particularly when I'm downtown, I just always feel a sense of belonging that I don't think you get in, in other areas. I think what makes the Quad City strong is our willingness to be kind to one another. I know that people, well, stories are shared maybe through social media or on the TV of really nasty things happening. I haven't seen that, and maybe that's because I've been staying home and not really been out there to see anything, but I think people are trying to be patient with one another and friendly and uh caring about one another, whether they let someone go first in line or remind them of something or point out something uh, to be seen over on one side of a store, things like that. What makes the Quad Cities strong is the community feel. I grew up in Phoenix. I lived in LA. I lived in Tucson and it it's like no other place. I love this town. I love that you go out and people look at you in your eyes. Visiting my parents all the time are like, this place is awesome, but we didn't really realize how amazing it was until we moved here. And that it's so true that it's just a community feel. People support each other. They love each other. I, I love it. I'll be here forever. So um, this was a test for me as a tourist and as a business owner and a mom and a wife. And, and I, I, think, I think we came out okay. I, I think we're going to be all right. And that's an amazing feeling. So now I'm happy. The emotion is just like, I'm ready to go. I'm ready for, I'm ready for it all to come back slowly and safely. But I'm just, I'm so thrilled. In many ways, we feel that Indy belongs to all of us. Of course, he is our son, but he's already part of the fabric of the neighborhood, a slim ray of hope in the COVID crisis. And he has made us feel connected to the people we love and those we barely know, as well as our community in new and wonderful ways. So to our friends and family and our community, we thank you for welcoming him to our world with such sweetness. We will do our best to raise him to be equally kind, equally sweet, and just as giving as you all have been.
Well, thank God for credit cards. Thank the powers that be for my dark sense of humor to survive. CVID 19. No, it's not funny. No, it's not light. There are people stranded without supplies, but it proves my point. Again, I was right. Making plans for tomorrow is a waste of my time. I can see birds, see birds singing. I can see blue skies, cause you're not polluting, rushing and driving to get to work on time. Come on, I'm sitting here in my quarantine state of mind. Thank you so much for listening to this audio chronicle. We hope the voices you heard are now part of your story about this challenging time. We hope you recognize the unique and inspiring ways you and your neighbors have weathered the beginning of the COVID pandemic. Even though, as of this recording, businesses are reopening and people are returning to work, we recognize that the Quad Cities have not completely returned to normal. It is likely that we're at the beginning of a long period of recovery and change. After listening to our contributors, though, we feel hopeful. There is clearly plenty of strength, compassion, and adaptability in this community, and we feel confident that Quad Cities can handle what comes next together. As we end this inaugural episode of the Prescott Woman podcast, we need to share some credit and gratitude. Thank you to the following women and men for contributing quotes. Deputy Police Chief Amy Bonney, Claire Luge, the Executive Director of Prevent Child Abuse Arizona, Deputy Fire Chief Corey Moser, Carrie Johnson, who's a special education teacher, Tina Rose, a parent, Jim Cabral, owner of Gabby's Grill, Rachel Wisenand, emergency department nurse at the Yavapai Regional Medical Center, Ariana Bennett, who's a parent. And special thank you to our guests, Kaya Kordoski Herrera. She's a physician's assistant and owner of Prescott Complete Care, Sasha Nas, owner of the Movement Studio, and Carissa Johnson, the English and language arts teacher we talked to who teaches at Bradshaw Mountain Middle School. Thank you all for sharing your trials and triumphs with us in these extended interviews. Well, day or night, call me till social distancing subsides. I can hear birds singing, I can see blue skies, cause you're not polluting, rushing to get to work on time. Just looking on the sunny side, my quarantine. State of mind. The following local musicians provided music you heard throughout the episode. Look for links to more of their music in the show notes. Drew Hall and Anton Teschner, Candace Devine, Rachel Plays Guitar, Sugar in the Mint, and Kylina Martin. Kelly Robert narrated this podcast, and Charles Matthews produced, recorded, and engineered it. We hope you enjoyed hearing from and about your Quad Cities neighbors and businesses in this audio format. 
please join us every month when we'll share interviews and stories to inspire and engage you on the Prescott Woman Podcast. Sitting here in the sunny side of my quarantine state of mind, knowing that everything will be fine.